On this week's episode of Collector's Corner, we talked about the criterion of all that jazz by Bob Fosse. I hope you enjoy. Let's get physical. Hey, John. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's up? I was just rearranging my uh, my, my pump pump fuckos. What are they called? Funko Pops. Funko Pop. Yeah, I was rearranging them just to make sure I, they were I, facing the right direction. Do you have any other questions? Yeah, I had a question. Kind of. Not really a question, but more of a like a, a demand or a request. Jesus. But, All right. Um, it on. would be nice if you went on Amazon or, you know, maybe stopped in Best Buy and picked yourself up a little physical media. It's been, what, like two, three years since you've even done since that? Since Boogie I, Nights? I, I honestly <laughs> challenge you to, it's been a to long time, get a movie. Dude. And every week we you're going to ask me, about it. like, hey, what's the last movie you bought? I'm like, Boogie Nights. <laughs> it's been like a long time. No, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. The Best Buy is fairly close by. Walmart's just right around the corner. I'd probably walk there if I want. Have you looked at the 788 bin in a, in a while? It's been they've a updated minute. it. Oh, they've, they've oh. added in some uh, some titles. Maybe maybe uh, peek your head in there. I'm, I'm surprised so that's still a thing. Like, enough said and like robots. No, they had like Baby Driver and more like recent movies and stuff like that. All right, I, I would I want to pick c- something up that like I would actually want to talk about on the podcast. So it's got to be like a pretty good movie. I got a bunch of cool ones in the. Uh, I think it was five dollar bin in Bangor. I got Gone Girl, that cool digi pack. Napoleon Dynamite. I got Juno. There's a bunch of Damn. movies that. Oh, day. and you still haven't I, even seen Napoleon Dynamite, but you own it. No, you haven't seen Napoleon Dynamite. You're in the film. <laughs> no one <laughs> you're that's you're well maybe that's why you haven't watched it because you're it's kind of, yeah it's it's like just memories every time i look at it i see either me or my brother and it's just really uncomfortable um but i've been told i need to do the dance or at least learn oh, it God. that way for halloween it's just i'm napoleon dynamite <laughs> all the time just you can do the the evolution of dance you got to be able to do his thing too teeny Absolutely. fat lard come get some dinner <sighs> i used to have a fucking uh uh, it was like you guys remember those like voice pads where it had like different catchphrases. You push a button and it would have like it would play a catchphrase or something like that. Mm-hmm. I had one for Napoleon Dynamite and that was one of them and it was it was quite <gasps> funny. Like God. oh man, let me get some tots. Yeah, don't touch, like tots. don't touch my tots. Don't touch my tots. Go for Pedro. <laughs> uh, what a weird movie, uh, dude. What do you guys say we just get a little physical? Ooh, so Spencer's ears perked up. Just like a German yeah. Shepherd, he's just he's ready to go. Let's get To talking about how this is episode eight of those movie dudes presents collector's corner eight episodes going strong it's our weekly show where we do a deep dive into our physical media collections i just lay out all the blu-rays do a swan dive off my bed 
and whichever one I see before I black out is the one I usually go for. Um, wow. And yeah, that's awesome. The visual representation of that in my, in my head is just incredible. <laughs> and as everyone can hear, you can hear John and Spencer here as well. Um, but this, uh, th- this week... <laughs> Could you imagine, though, just a giant thing of Blu-rays and just... Dude, it's like jumping into a pool that's, like, one foot deep. Like, that's a very dangerous endeavor. It's like that scene in Family Guy when he jumps off, like, Donald the Duck lands in, like, the coins. The gold doubloons. It's not a liquid. It's very many pieces of solid matter. And there's our Family Guy episode. Okay. Oh, goodness. But uh, this week, I was last week. Spencer was this week. Spencer, what film did we watch yeah uh in the last seven episodes we had been revisiting a lot of films from our collection movies that we loved this one was a first in terms of for a collector's corner because it's a film that we all had never seen before but i had blind bought this during the criterion sale last july at barnes and noble this was twenty dollars it's the criterion collection edition of all that jazz and as we've like come to find out, it's like the only version of the movie where, that you can find. It's not available for yep. rental on iTunes. It's not available for rental on Amazon. You're going to have to uh, seek it out and buy it in order to watch it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's a pretty interesting addition. It comes with a lot of special features that we'll, we'll get into. But, yeah, like we had never seen this movie before, so I was very curious to check it out. Nate always seemed to say that it was very highly regarded. He kind of seemed to know a lot about Bob Fosse. I didn't know anything about Bob Fosse other than he was a director and choreographer. And we also watched Cabaret for uh, before we did podcasts when we were all just doing like the movie oh. watching every week. Uh, he directed mm-hmm. that one. Um, so yeah, I was curious to check this one out. So that's why I picked it. Yeah, I, I knew a lot about it just because of that Fosse Verdon on HBO or Hulu or whatever it was. The Sam Rockwell show, um, right? Michelle Williams. Yeah. Yeah, this was definitely a grittier version of Fosse Verdon, just because of how unique it is. It was I just wasn't expecting it to be the way it was, and Bob Fosse probably, I don't think, directed any other films, really, other than the one that you kind of see him doing in the movie. But uh, I'm, it was one that I was definitely happy to check off the list, because there's a lot that can be said about this one. Yeah, no, I, uh, for me, I've, it's taken me a long time to come around to musicals. Uh, I think one of the first ones I ever saw was like Les Mis and I've yet to finish it. There's been a lot of musicals that I've, that I've seen that when they're done well, I really, really appreciate them. Like we just watched Moulin Rouge only a few months ago and I literally love that movie. It was like chaotic and just like the cinematography was crazy. The music was awesome. So when it came to this one, I was definitely excited because we don't watch very many of them, um, and there's a lot of classic ones I've still yet to check out. But yeah, I was I was really excited to check this one out, and I quite enjoyed myself, so I'm looking forward to talking about it with you guys. Yeah, I cool. really didn't know what to expect with this movie, but what I got with it was something very, very unique, very different than what I was expecting. It's so fantastical. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not because it started off really fast going into like the dance auditions and then cutting back and forth between this production that's going on and then him talking to Jessica Lang. And at mm. the when it first started happening, I'm like, this isn't my thing. They keep cutting away from the story for this nonsense until you get the context of what's happening 
in those scenes, then you kind of understand why it's happening. And that did kind of help it make sense. But holy Roy Scheider, forget about Jaws for a second. He was fantastic in this movie. He didn't I, win the Oscar either, which he I, didn't, I and... really think he deserved it. Like, his performance was incredible. Like, holy and shit. just every time he said, it's showtime, folks, his face just <laughs> is less and less excited and more, like, dreading life. You hate to see someone break down that way. I haven't seen Roy Scheider in a lot of films. I mean, obviously Jaws being, like, his most iconic film, but this is by far his best performance because apparently he had done theater, he had done... Uh, Broadway, all that, that kind of stuff. He'd done like singing and dancing and acting, but he had never done it all in one film before. So he said like that finale when he had to just give it his all and do everything at once, like or just like he just had so much respect and admiration for those like types of um, those dancers that do it every single day. Because at the end of production, he would like go and just like sit in a hot tub and just borderline pass out like he just like couldn't move because <laughs> <Holy laughs> it was so tough but i'm surprised he didn't win the oscar because he is fantastic in this movie like he's so electric yeah and i think honestly everybody in this movie is when you when you're able to do first of all singing dancing and acting if you're if you are multi-talented in all three of those those fronts then it really really impresses me and th- all the dancers in this movie that could also act i i just thought that that was just a really incredible thing because the dance numbers in this movie are freaking awesome like mm-hmm. some of my favorite scenes were probably the one with his kid in the living room just doing that whole dance mm-hmm. number that one was great with the mom that was yeah. amazing and just like the look on his face like the like he's like wow like this is this is what I've that wasn't his mo- that wasn't her mom that was his girlfriend oh, okay well Mistress or something. yeah yeah, I'm, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I, need, I might need a little <laughs> yeah, clarification on like who was who, honestly, but I know that's his daughter. So, um, and Roy yeah. Scheider just does a fantastic job of balancing on the line between going crazy and staying in reality. Like he never stopped working at all. Yeah. Like that's one thing this version and the Fosse Verdon thing had him and Sam Rockwell. They portrayed this character in such a unique way. Just you see him struggling to get this project done while also trying to have a personal life. And it just shows that it can be hard to have both, especially when you're in such a a stressful spot. You're a freaking stage performer, choreographer, and director. Like, what else can you just throw on top there? Yeah, you're directing a play by uh, day and then you're going and editing a movie by night. And you're constantly Ugh. getting pushback on either side from producers and people being like, oh, like the plays or the production's too edgy. You're doing too crazy. Uh, you're going too far. And then in the movie, it's like you're going over budget. Why is everyone still on triple time? <laughs> like, finish this yeah. fucking movie. And he just constantly has this stress. And then meanwhile, he's chain smoking cigarettes. And I've, in the behind the scenes interview, Bob Fosse admitted that he would smoke like six packs a day. Can you imagine? Wait, what? Six like actual packs? cigarettes? A day, yes, yeah. Packs of See, cigarettes. That's, that's like he said he would just have like, honestly, at times he'd have he'd have two <laughs> cigarettes hanging out of his mouth and not even realize it. He'd have cigarettes just hanging out of his mouth all the time because essentially uh, this movie, uh, this character Joe Gideon is Bob Fosse. He is basically mm-hmm. adapting his life. He is using this movie as an artistic way to showcase his personal demons in his life i mean this was coming off of his success of cabaret he won the oscars he's a very successful broadway mm. production um director 
and he put everything into this movie that was in his life and he has this character joe gideon uh have all these different addictions like sex addict drug addict uh, like tobacco addict uh workaholic uh, alcoholic because he wanted the audience to identify with at least one or two of them so they could somehow relate to the character uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a genius way to bring the audience along with the character because he's not necessarily he is likable. He's likeable. not that likable. He, he's kind of like despicable he, a little bit. Yeah, you know? like he, there's something off about him where he's just like he is. Yeah, like something's fucking off about him. But he's he's got some like charisma behind him. <laughs> where, like, but you really want to, to you want him to like succeed because he actually does a decent job at balancing his ex wife and his lover kind of and the kid too. Like he's trying. <laughs> And it, like, and you see how open the wife is. Like, she knows all the shit that he's been through. And him, of course, like, he had to travel, like, overseas to film Cabaret. So that threw strain on his marriage right there. Every time you would just hear the same audio clips from that stand-up movie that he was doing. And I'm like, what's the purpose of this? He must have been some sort of perfectionist. Because he just sat there and nitpicked. Nitpicked. He wanted everything to be right. But his dance yeah. numbers were always flawless, even though they got a little little edgy. Like, there's that one specific one where I was like, oh, God, I didn't even think you could do this on Broadway. Like, I thought there was yeah. some kind of limit, but they handled it beautifully. Probably, that was probably my one of my favorite scenes of the movie, not just because of how risque it was, but just how they edited that, how it was shot, the reaction shots that they go to. Like, it was just really expertly done, especially with the lighting, because they actually kind of have the actors technically like influencing the scene with the with the flashlights so it actually yeah. made it look like that they were doing the lighting which i thought was really cool way to do that so i don't know there were just a lot of entertaining scenes um and also with his character because like he he does seem sort of despicable at times but they have a way when they do like the flashbacks of kind of redeeming him in that moment where he does something shitty and then it cuts to him with jessica lang and he's like Oh man, yeah, this is why I did that. So it was just oh, like in his fantasy, yeah, like, yeah, in his mm-hmm. fantasy. And I, I don't know, I thought that that was just a really interesting way to to show that. So like where he talks about um, him saying "I love you," he doesn't that, use yeah. it as a genuine feeling. He uses it as a way to kind of ease the conversation and try and be understanding. Like instead of being like, "Oh, I love you with all my heart," he'll just be like, "Hey, I love you, but I gotta, I gotta go, go do this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. His mind. Is it's the way else. of him being able to make the people he's saying it to think that they're still important while he goes off and does more despicable shit. You look at Roy Scheider and he looks like a pretty likable guy. So it's like all the things that he's doing, you just don't want to see him go down this path. But if you know his story, you know how it ends kind of thing. So Absolutely. And the, one of the best things about this movie is the editing. It is mm-hmm. one of the most energetic movies from this decade that I've seen. It was just from the minute it starts, like a mass like audition process oh, yeah, where they're just amazing. watching so many people dancing, and it's just like cut, cut, cut. Like there, there's a certain style to the editing of the film, and um, it's called fragment editing, where they also do like like pieces make a whole. So like they also cut away from the story. Like Nate kind of mentioned, it, it bothered you at times. Bob Fosse apparently was completely aware of that but he wanted to do it deliberately because he trusted and had faith in the audience that they were going to catch on and follow it like he and it had did. a certain vision exactly and it did end up paying off because yeah essentially when it first started and they were doing that whole uh the first sequence happened of the audition process and it was so fast-paced and energetic and crazy and then it 
starts randomly going to these like dream sequences, then he's still working and it's time to develop the story back to the dream sequences again. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? But mm-hmm. it does make a lot of sense as it goes along. And it's really, really, really fascinating how they chose to de- use that style to tell this story because it's, it makes it so unique and so cool and mm-hmm. fun to it's watch. It's one of those movies that kind of grows on you throughout, like the more you watch it. Cause right. like, I, like Nate said earlier, like I was kind of thrown off with the dream sequences. I was like, what? Like, what is happening here? Exactly. But then when the, like, I'd say the third act is when it really, like, a vast majority of the film is, like, the dream sequences and, like, basically everything that he's imagining is is a play which mm-hmm. I, or a musical, which I freaking love that. I love how it literally it goes from, like, a real-life musical to, like, just his life is a musical all of it's a sudden. It's my favorite sequence of the film, I think. I thought it was yeah. so fascinating how they chose to do it. Now, so he was, cool. like, directing it, but yet he was he, still yeah. in the deathbed, kind of just, like, <laughs> stuck to watch that's, the whole thing and, like, can't say anything. That's the exact scene I'm thinking of. Is so like cool. He comes down in the director's chair, and he's like, hey, you're not supposed to talk right here. Or something, I don't know, something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, you, this, like, you don't have so a line. creative, <laughs> dude. It, it, that's the thing with musicals. It gives you so much creative freedom to just do whatever you want, and I think that this film just went to so many interesting places with that that whole aspect so if i yeah yeah if i were to nitpick a little bit because i i do gotta say it kind of bothered me there's a bit of an american in paris feel to it where the i felt like some of the musical numbers dragged a little bit like it just kind of went on a little bit the scene when the daughter was singing like i'm gonna miss you daddy and it was a little off tune and i was just like uh, see i I liked that those ones because they like each person's song connects to like a certain part that they were in his life. So like oh, you, the sure. daughter, the wife, and then his mistress or whatever, which fun fact, the girl who played the mistress, that role that she's playing is based on the actress that's playing it. Like Anne Ryan King and or something like that. Audition six times to fucking yeah. play that role because he has a cruel oh sense God. of humor. <laughs> I found that out in the <laughs> behind the scenes. It was funny. She was amazing in the movie. Anne Reinking, I don't mm -hmm. think I've seen her in anything. But I do get what you mean, though, with it being American in Paris. Like, they just had this super grand peak that they needed to get to. And for those of you who don't get that reference, it's like, (laughs) because I I feel like we should explain that, like, the last 23 minutes of American in Paris is just one long musical number that doesn't end. Um, and that's yeah, and that's basically well, some musical like, numbers so, like, in this where I think it maybe it's just a, it's a little te- it's a little too long, but um, it still it still works completely. But at least this yeah, one had lyrics where American in Paris really didn't. Like some songs just, had the lyrics, yeah. but this one you had Roy Scheider yeah. and that other guy singing, so you got the lyrics, which was telling a story, which I can appreciate a lot more because then you can follow the set pieces and all the people that were in the backgrounds in the movie or in these. So did you guys yeah, being get big fish vibes in that scene? It's like he's bit. seeing all the people that were mm. important to him a little like, no. cause like at the end of, have you seen, you've seen big fish, right? Nate, mm-hmm. like at the end when like all the people that were like part of his life are there, like greeting him as he's going into the water. I thought mm-hmm. this scene was like, as he's kind of spoiler, like he's, he's talking about how he's going to die and like, he's singing mm-hmm. about it. And then all the people from his life are kind of in the crowd, like applauding him and stuff. So this guy's story is so tragic. It's just hard to believe that someone would put this upon themselves, like a movie and a Broadway show, a wife and a mistress and a child. 
and you can you see him wanting to care, but then he's also kind of looking through every like one important to him. Like I know you're important, you're my daughter and whatnot, but he's looking through to what he's gonna do in the play. Like oh, I need to go edit this. I need to. I'm sorry, you can't. I can't have you this weekend. I gotta work. How many? How much drugs do you have to take to just be able to alienate your family? <laughs> like it kept showing a close up on that bottle. It was like dexedrin or something like that oh yeah and i don't know what it's for if it's like a drug to keep you awake or something but holy that that they yeah it was like the same shots like every time uh but every time they used it something was a bit different about it like it got sadder almost every time that it happened to me i thought the movie could have been a little shorter and i think that was because of some of the long dance numbers and whatnot but i can give it a pass just because at least it was telling a story and the build up to this final climax it it's fitting it's fitting for this guy because he was such an eccentric or eccentric however you want to say it that of course this person would have the most grand like showing off ever cuz he just seemed to be that kind of person but the music too was just something that made this film awesome and they talk about this movie a lot in some of the criterion collection videos people just refer to this movie as a sexy movie like do you guys get that vibe like it's very 70s in terms of the choreography yes in terms of the story no not at all i find the story Mm -hmm. pretty dark and just kind of i mean he's a disturbed man i mean he's an addict and he is the ultimately succumbs to his illness so i mean but the choreography for sure yeah i mean he definitely like that one scene in the middle that john mentioned yeah like i've never seen a scene like that done in the way that he never dude but it was so fascinating with excellent use of one editing and two cinematography shot so well and that end scene of the 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 end sequence of that scene with all the uh faces appear by the light underneath them Mm -hmm. was like oh god that's unsettling (laughs) like that was yeah (laughs) did not expect that but it was so good. Cool. Imagine being in that room for the first time because that I don't know that scene was just like it's something that you're not gonna see in a musical that comes out in 2021, 22. Like it, nope. it, they wouldn't that would never happen. And I love how they had it's the just... producers of the Broadway play uh, watching the scene and basically reacting like the audience. Look, we like, can't oh, do this. What is going on here? <laughs> like this is yeah, strange. Yeah. But uh, he'd walk over to him and be like, "Did you like it?" And the guy's like, "It wasn't bad." Oh, well, what did you think? It was different. <laughs> yeah, interesting. <laughs> it was because they, they didn't like it. <laughs> they knew they wanted to keep him, so they were like, oh, don't try and hurt his feelings, but <laughs> we can't do this. <laughs> they knew that he was, like, the best at what he does, so, like, they just kind of have to let him do his thing, because what he was doing was amazing. It might be a little risque, but... uh it was definitely cool. But I think the movie also kind of shows like the ins and outs of the production business too, where the scene when they're in the lawyer's office, mm-hmm. where he kind of gives them three options. He's like, I mean, the option that they wanted to go with is like, you can just cut your losses and we'll give you 500 grand. They're like, all right, I guess we might have to go with that. But uh, I don't know. It had some <laughs> cool. It's heartbreaking for him yeah. because I feel like a lot of the people behind these productions were pretty close to him so they also had that personal like tug of war because they want this guy he's the best you said it yourself he's yeah the best but is he worth showing up over budget like months past its due date like not he's not the only one in this movie that's kind of carrying all this weight on his shoulders because he's got 
hundreds of people depending on his one move and this guy's on drugs and smoking all the time and like how much can you trust sequence, him and what makes that sequence so unique is they easily could have had just a bunch of lawyers and people sitting around at a table talking about in crunching numbers but with the use of fragment editing they cut back to the actual operation of oh, uh, yeah, the heart surgery was, yeah uh, <laughs> it's just it, it adds that extra level to the scene that you would wouldn't get in a different if it was a different movie and the editor was actually told because after he showed the movie to I think one of the producers, uh, the, he was they were like, "Please cut that scene where they put like the claw at the chest and they spread it." The clamp. So it's the, yeah. yeah, like it's too graphic. We we don't want to put that in this movie. And he's like, "Okay, it's like a producer left. He put it right back into the movie." Yeah, <laughs> so, really. And then he left how... it. Didn't say anything. So when I was like preparing for this, I was reading something about the movie and I saw a quote from a director that I like that kind of threw me off and I was kind of surprised by it. But apparently Stanley Kubrick said that this was the possibly the best film he'd ever seen. Yeah. Wow. I also read the same uh, statement, but a lot of people consider this film a masterpiece and I can totally understand it. I definitely think I need to let the film marinate in my head a little bit more and possibly even rewatch it. But the, the more yeah. that I have dived into it, like with the special features and stuff, the more fascinated I am by it. I think it's cool. And by, by Bob Fosse himself, I think he's a very interesting individual. Like, I'd be very curious to check out the Fosse Verdon. And um, we've seen Cabaret, but... Do you want to give your thoughts, Johnny Boy, and we can yeah. dive into the, the physicalness of this Before film? Before you give your uh, grade on this film, I would like to make a request from both of you, uh, from everybody. Hmm. Uh, okay. Because... There is a sequence where Joe Gideon is watching on the news a uh, review of one of his films. The yep. lady has a rating system of four balloon, four, a four balloon rating system. Oh, she has that four was funny how balloons. that basically put him into cardiac arrest as well. Yeah, and she gave it a point five out of four out of balloons. Four. Yeah. So I guess you can do decimals in this uh, grade, but it's a four oh. instead of a five grading system, and they're, they're balloons. Not stars. Okay. Well, last week okay. was bananas and severed heads or watermelons, I think. So we can just keep the theme going. Um, well, so yeah, sure. <laughs> it was fitting for um, this film. Yeah, with this movie, I going in, like, I really had no expectations. But clearly, I can see why this is so highly regarded in uh, the musical genre and just film in general. I think that we get one of, probably one of my favorite performances I've almost ever seen in a musical from Roy Scheider, who is multi-talented from a dramatic standpoint to... Um, I mean, he plays a choreographer, he plays a very talented individual, um, and he clearly can sing, because you can see it at the end. The editing, the cinematography, the acting from all different aspects, I just, I kind of love how they're able to weave this film together. It's not your typical musical, it's a lot more than that. And I, I think the song in the final musical number, it's somber, but for some reason was like my favorite like the most catchy song of the film well, I've, I've heard that song before like tell I me you've heard too. that too yeah it's i a... definitely have i was like wait i know this why do i like this so much <laughs> the movie was it was it was really good um definitely touches on some very dark concepts but i mean if you're gonna succeed in hollywood you're probably gonna go through a few of these things so yeah it's great i definitely recommend it if you're into musicals and just checking off another big film from i'm guessing this is probably in the imdb top 250 or something like that it is not. I think it's a, has like a seven point really? nine, so uh, it's a mm -hmm. little, wow. little low to make that. I would probably squeeze it in there, in my opinion. Yeah, if we're doing the balloons. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it three and a half out of four balloons. I think it's very, very good. 
Yeah, this is definitely one of those movies, like, we watch the Criterion version of it, and every video I see where someone picks up all that jazz, they have nothing but good things to say about it. People call it a masterpiece. They think it's, like, the best movie of the 70s. Um, and this movie, I think, does encapsulate the feeling of time during the 70s really well with just their flashiness, their over-the-top, and... As I said earlier, the sexiness of the dance numbers and how they're able to portray them. And just seeing this broken down character makes you wonder what's going on inside his head. But you see the heart, too. You see him want to do good, but he's just so focused on his craft that he just can't break free from it. And it's kind of heartbreaking, and it makes me kind of nervous to become a middle-aged man who's trying to balance everything in their life Just chain smoking chain, chain and smoke 160 cigarettes a day you know maybe, maybe... <laughs> that's what, yeah. hey if you had, if you <laughs> okay, had the money that he that. did then you can afford to do it but this movie was pretty good um a little long but i think that could have been with the final end sequence it kind of made it drag a little bit but i think the story was actually pretty fluently told so I'll give this, I'll give it, th I'm trying to do my uh, my math calculations, uh, three out of four balloons. I will uh, be a little behind John, but I did enjoy it. And like the whole thing that bugged me with the, the fantasy sequences, it made up for it once you realized what was happening. And uh, the story's just sad, but it's one that definitely needs to be checked out. I was yeah. just really surprised by it. I didn't expect to get the movie that I got from it. Uh, like I really just thought it was going to be uh, following this Broadway director trying to make a Broadway show. I did not expect this movie to be a like big, epic, cathartic like poem of Bob Fosse's <laughs> own life. And I thought it was very fascinating and it was so creative and interesting and unique. And for a film from 1979, I thought it did a very, very good job of keeping my interest, making it very compelling, uh, having some great performances, cinematography and editing. It just kind of blew me away. So for that, I'm going to give it three and a half balloons. I'm going to match John's wow. grade. I'm happy that I have the Criterion edition of this as well because I could easily see myself rewatching it and now knowing that it's not streaming on any sites, you know, it kind of <laughs> makes it a little valuable for me. It's like, okay. That's a hard movie to come on. Yeah, now I have to, find. to pick it up. And it's it's worth cool. it. I mean, the 4K scan was beautiful. It looked excellent. It looked like a film that could have come out probably in like the early 90s. Like, it just looked, the transfer was awesome. So, Spencer, you said this was the Criterion Blu-ray. What what was the spine number? Spine number 724, <laughs> <I'm sorry>. Mr. <laughs> Nate. Who the fuck cares, dude? Sorry. It's 724. Um, where does awesome. it say the spine number? Where do you see this information? On the spine, I don't... John. Where do you think That's it why it's be? called where, the spine right, number. Right, that was a stupid question. Where on the spine do you see this? Cause the I, bottom. Uh, bottom. Do we care? Do, all right. So with your criterions, Nate, I have a question. Do you organize by spine number? Yes. Do you actually? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That I mean, right? That's a bad idea. That, that's kind of yeah. like, I not have that seven like, samurai like, at like, the front, and <laughs> I have the ascent in the back. <laughs> if you're if you're like thinking about your criterion, you're like, I want to watch number five hundred two tonight. You don't think about the movie title; you just think about the spine number. Yeah, I do, no, I I do definitely think of the movie. If I just go, oh, I'm just gonna watch spine number five twenty three, and I pick it up, and it's solo. 
I'm probably not going to watch it right then. <laughs> Spencer, what kind of special features did uh, all that jazz have? I'm kind of it, kind of intrigued now because I looked for stuff, but I couldn't find a whole lot. Same. I looked 10 minutes before the podcast and I didn't oh, find anything. So. <laughs> have no time to watch anything. Uh, Thanks for the commitment there, pal. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I'm here to help. There is so many special features on this disc um well the best thing about this obviously criterion does a great job with their 4k restorations or 2k scans that they do of the original camera negative they obviously did that with this film here um so they make these old movies look the best they can possibly be uh and on a 4k player and on a 4k tv it just really does look amazing uh so that is the best thing about it but with the special features there's so much that comes with it uh including an audio commentary featuring editor alan him um, or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Alan Heim talked about his like fragment style editing uh, and how they developed the style with Bob Fosse. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, another thing that was kind of fun was uh, scene selected audio commentary from actor Roy Schneider, and he kind of goes uh-huh. into depth of what Bob Fosse was kind of like and how he was uh, trying to make the movie about his life without really admitting that it was about his life. Um, so mm-hmm. that was I think really cool. And then also an interview from. Uh, or with Bob Fosse that NBC News did in uh, 1986. Uh, but there's also like on-set footage and some more interviews, like the uh, the two dancers. So yeah, I mean, there's so much that a huge fan of all that jazz can definitely you know get their money's worth with this Criterion Edition. I didn't get to absolutely everything, but I did get to a good amount of it. But I can't wait to you know dive into this even more. I can only imagine what was going through Bob Fosse's head when he's making a movie about his life. So that was something that everybody did mention was that he was wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid to hold back. And he was particularly very hard on himself. Uh, and it kind of, a lot of people were just like, you don't need to be this hard on yourself. Like, you can have some some light. Like, it, it's okay. And he's like, nope. So he was very uh, particular. Any little, cool. little uh, like, cover art on the inside that we can, like, open up? Maybe some, yeah. like, little digibook I'll, type I'll, shit? Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, hold on. Or did it come with a booklet? Um, so yeah, let me. Know. Hey, this is collector's corner, not. Yeah, oh, we're just gonna talk about movies again. Like we're getting into being physical, and if this people that voice. listen to this don't like to get physical, I'm gonna get physical with them. All right, so. All right, you're right. Put them in their place, Nate. Put so when you take the, uh, the criterion off my uh, my desk and you open it. Oh, yeah, you hear that sound? Ooh, uh, that little, sound. Uh, Dude, imagine if he perforated the plastic right there. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, so it does come with a little uh, essay. It says, let's go backwards when forward fails. And then on the back it says, get out your white suit, your tap shoes, and tails. Uh, and a little Ooh. essay. And a little Holy shit. About that. And then the Criterion's the, awesome. Uh, wrote the Criterion disc itself is very cool because it just says, it's showtime, folks. Oh my and that's God. the cool thing about Criterion editions is they always do some fun stuff with their discs. They're not just bare bones and it's not just the title and you just like see yourself when you open up the disc it's like reflecting back it's a mirror it's like oh all right i just oh, want to, to look at myself okay cool <laughs> no it's actually it's showtime folks they put some work on it and then on the inside <laughs> itself you have bob fossey kind of showing roy scheider how he wants him to dance during the iconic sequence when he's dancing with the water on the floor in his hospital gown towards the end of the film oh, um, huh. so that is the uh, opening damn cover art of yeah criterion criterion always nails it they know how to pick the best movies and give them the best restoration possible but yeah that does it for episode eight of collector's corner but before we close out today it's mainstream boys week what are we watching nate get your popcorn ready because <sighs> we are watching 
a film that I've seen before. I think all of us have seen before. There's a TV series with four seasons out right now, some of which I've really enjoyed, but I think it's time to revisit the original film by Joel and Ethan Cohen. William H. Macy, Francis McDormand's making another appearance on the podcast for those movie dudes, Steve Buscemi. It's the 1996 film Fargo. So, uh, yeah. Damn, I'll go far for this movie. I am actually pretty excited because when I first watched Fargo, I thought it was amazing. I was like, she's so good. And I've never, I've always just wanted to speak like I'm from Minnesota. Can we make sure that we speak that way the entire podcast? That is my only. I I will at least introduce the podcast as (laughs) welcome to Collector's Corner. eh? Cool. Well, we hope you all enjoyed our talk about the 1979 film All That Jazz. We thank you all so much for listening, and as always, I would like you all to please stay physical. Let's get physical. Let's get physical.